0: philosopher in me would say going back to asking the question why do you feel passionate about something first before you chase it
1: welcome to the chasing passion podcast my name is dom and i'm your host each week i bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin hello welcome to another episode of the podcast my mission my goal my duty is to interview people who are following their passion and make a living from it instead of using the expression finding your passion i like to use the term chasing passion this means you have to experiment and try things over time until you eventually find work that you enjoy doing and that you're actually good at it which ultimately becomes your passion of course, our interests, what we enjoy, curiosities might change over time, which is why it's an endless pursuit, which is why we must chase it. Well, that's something I'm continuously trying to do. I'm constantly experimenting trying things to find my own calling in life. In Stephen Pressfield's words, we're all born for a reason. We have our own specific personal destiny. Our job in this lifetime is not to shape ourselves into some ideal we imagine we ought to be, but is to find out who we are and become it if you were meant to cure cancer or ride a symphony or crack cold fusion and you don't do it you not only hurt yourself even destroy yourself you hurt your children you hurt me you hurt the planet and this is why this podcast was created it was created to expose yourself to different ideas concepts perspectives careers that exist in the world and perhaps by listening to these stories something resonates with you and it's something that you want to try yourself. I appreciate every single person listening to this. I mean there's so many podcasts out there and the fact that you choose to listen to this particular podcast is huge for me and I just want to say thank you. I really really do appreciate it. In this episode I sit down with the CrossFit Games winner and the founder of OPEX Fitness James Fitzgerald. His passion for fitness has led him to multiple ventures including publishing multiple studies, coaching competitive athletes, launching his first coaching business OPT in 1999, creating an immensely popular blog, winning the CrossFit Games in 2007, founding OPEX Fitness, Big Dogs and everything in between. He has over 25 years of experience as a coach. When he's not coaching, he's a full-time husband, father and fitness athlete. James has four core daily habits, and they are movement, learning, creating, and teaching, which I found very, very interesting. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I wish we could have spoken for longer, as I had just too much questions. It really, really got me thinking. So if you're interested to learn more about James, check him out on Instagram, where he posts his daily workouts and his thoughts on those workouts. You can do that by searching James Fitzgerald, or his Instagram handle is jfitzopex and you'll find him right there. He has been on many podcasts before, so definitely check him out if you want to learn more about him. If you're really keen on learning more, definitely check out OPEX Fitness, where he has courses, resources, and a blog, which I'm currently binging on. In this episode, we talk about learning and how to learn more effectively, key fitness and nutrition principles, daily habits, designing your own training program, life, philosophy, and much, much more. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoy recording them. James, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, it's good to be here.
1: I appreciate you coming on. So, I guess the first question: Can you just kind of provide some background information about yourself, what you've done, what what you do now, just to provide some context to the listeners about what you what you're up to? I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm a 46 year old male, um, married for. Um, well, I've been together for 20 years with my wife. I have two beautiful young girls, uh, 14, 11 years of age. Um, I'm, uh, the founder of a company, a fitness education company called OPEX. Um, we've been indirectly in business for 20 years. I've been a practitioner as a coach for over 26 years now. Um, and I basically am, educating fitness coaches day in, day out on the principles of fitness. Uh, That's what I do day to day.
1: Right. And you're also the fittest man on earth in 2007. You're the first person to ever win the competition. Um, What was that experience like? Uh, It
0: was great. Uh, It was a great experience. Up until that point in time, uh, we were basically just uh, uh, playing online, just competing with different fitness events online. And then it uh became an in-person event um and i was just lucky enough at the first time it was offered to uh, come out on top uh so it was a great experience
1: well that's amazing and like it seems like you're like you know you're like fitness has been a large part of your life i'm curious to know what were you like as a child like were you always interested in fitness like what were you like as a child like what were you interested by naturally
0: yeah i think uh I think it's always best to ask other people, not the person about that question, because, uh, you always remember, you know, you may have historical reference issues with what your memory is. Um, and I'm at that point in my life now too, where I'm just making assumptions now on what that was like, you know? So Mm. you probably have to ask my, uh, my mom who's passed, but my dad probably as to what I was doing when I was a young kid to really get some truth to this. But, um, I, I just have memories of like, uh, you know, starting ice hockey with my original equipment. Um, I really enjoyed playing street hockey with my friends out in the cold and the, you know, we clear some snow off the streets. Um, I remember playing sports in the summer. I remember being active with my cousins or my friends, um, during summertime activities um, I just remember physicality quite possibly being what I find important to be reflected in everything I've ever done. Um, if you know what I mean, I, you know, it's, I think it's because I am inside the physical space and fitness space that I'm probably reflecting back, trying to connect dots to that, you know, uh, no one's getting me on a podcast asking me, you know, um, you know, why did you become so interested in political views, right? Mm. It's like, well, I don't have a political view perspective because that's not what I remember as a child, but I do remember these physical manifestations. So I think it's already, it's always been embedded in there, you know, through uh, what I was experiencing and what I really loved. That.
1: And, you know, you started OPEX, um, like after the, after the competition and so on. And um, what made you start OPEX? Like what what's the vision behind it? Like, where did you see it going? Like, why did you want to, you know, start this company you know, from become transition from athlete to a business owner, I guess. Like, what was the idea there?
0: Yeah, um, well, it actually didn't transition from athlete to business owner. Right. Um, uh, I've been coaching since 1994. Um, and the business came to light as I started all these practices. You're just running around, you know, with your head cut off uh, for five years. In 1999 is when the business started. So that was well established before any of my personal experiences, right? um, Okay. So the the business was started um, as basically an offering for health and fitness coaching. Um, So I was a health and fitness professional, and what did I do? I did personal training, strength conditioning programs, and just work with people, right, to help them in that in that space. So yeah, that's the that's the original underpinnings uh, Mm. of the the business
1: and what actually is OPEX and what do you guys provide? Like what kind of services do you provide? What kind of stuff do you do? Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you were to ask what it was in 1999, it was basically a business that offered, um, individual design exercise uh, behavior and nutrition programs to people. Um, now what OPEX is today, I would say is a, is a thought leader, in the fitness education space so you know it's grown from that context of like a small business mom and pop shop to a a brand that you know uh, just gives off this energy of educating people in fitness right Mm, yeah Um, and all the things that come with that so that's the that's how it's changed
1: Mm. so right now like what does a typical day look like for you is that your primary kind of a career at the moment uh just coaching working that yeah what would a typical yeah. day look like for you
0: yeah um i try to do some kind of teaching learning moving and creating every day um and i've found over time that that creates some balance for me to really feel fulfilled in my job year in year out uh my job has definitely evolved over time um but uh, during a day, I'll just give you a, like, uh, a, you know, let's say when I'm back in Arizona and yeah. like it's the regular work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have uh, a <clears throat> coffee um, after waking and come into work. I sit in my office and I do some reading um, and some uh, learning, I guess you could say. And then I do some exercise um, and then I start some consulting and I'll either consult with individuals or I'll consult with um groups um uh, that will be a part of Opex as our licensed gyms or just groups in general um, I'll do some teaching <coughs> to different groups throughout the day um and uh I'll do some business strategy conversations and meetings um I'll do spe- some specific uh coaching uh fitness coaching on the floor um in the trenches we like to say um and it'll be the odd things in between there you know uh, um, I don't know just other stuff mm. uh and then uh I uh I drive home and uh spend time with my girls and my family and we have supper together and spend our evening together and then I just repeat that over and over so that would be
1: my day mm. that's very interesting so like it's like you said you do teaching learning creating and movement mm. and like what sort of stuff do you learn about um is it purely fitness stuff or do you learn about other stuff as well I'm curious about your learning and um, habits
0: yeah um yeah, well, the learning habits thing, um, it's probably a little bit more, a little deeper. But um, mm-hmm. just, just in regards to what your first question, uh, what do I learn now? Um, I'm just learning everything now. Like I'm trying to, trying to find this, uh, this balance point to what I'm learning and, and determine its utility and see if what I am learning is actually worth anything or if it's a waste of time. Um so I'm trying to um formulate, you know, what what decisions I make as to what I want to learn or desire to learn. Um and I'm just trying to stuff that in my brain as much as possible with the time that I have. Um and it, it resulting over time with this, you know, gained perspective. I wouldn't say knowledge but a perspective. So the more and more I learn, I would say that I gain more insight. Um, I don't gain knowledge um, or I don't gain, you know, uh, competency or even education or even technical expertise, but I gain this more of a broad perspective um, on how things are and why they operate, et cetera. What I'm learning today in relation to, I think what's interesting, if I could interject a concept on top of that uh, for individuals is that uh, your priorities and how you live this life. Um, change. And how you, how you think about learning and how important you think it is, uh, is different for every human. And uh, the medium in which people learn is different for every human. Um, and the one thing that I was thinking about as I was speaking is I want to point out the fact that, you know, the way and the reason why I did learn when I was 25 is really different than the reason and the way that I learned at 46. But if you were to observe both of both James, you it probably looked the same if you know what I'm saying, but I'm seeing things differently. And I'm also ensuring that all the stuff that I'm learning is now starting to be placed in this systemic order. So things start are starting to make more sense the more and more I learn. So I just wanted to make that point that, uh, learning is different for everyone and it's, you know, for some people it's priority. Um, I think, uh, for me specifically, as a human, um, I was always fairly curious. Therefore, how do you fill the curiosity void? You've got to learn things. Um, you've got to experiment and play and like ask questions. Um, and so, uh, all inside of that is learning, right? Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean that makes complete sense. Like, because yeah, like what you said, um, like you know, based on like what point in life you are, your, your questions, your curiosity is going to change and I think learning about the things that are applicable directly to your life right now I think that's probably the most useful form of learning because otherwise you're just learning well in your in your case learning for insight just understanding having different respect but I think I think I think when I read I try to read books or learn about things that are directly applicable to my life at this current time and then you know I'm obviously just going to progress and progress how would you think about that
0: uh, well, I'd question what your definition is of progression. Um, that that was my point is that, mm. you know, people can seemingly look like they're virtue signaling this fact that they're reading all these books and learning things and they're saying it's very applicable to their life, but how are you measuring that? Mm. Um, so I just have a, you know, that that's why I mentioned the efficiency thing over time is that, you know, what happens if you, at the end, you've read 675 books um, and you said, Oh, I, it was definitely applicable to me at the current time and I've applied that. Well, who's the measurement of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: so the ultimate definition of success for that is either you write your own book <laughs> and you do it better or another way, or you are actually showing the measurement of that new lo- thing that you learned and how you implemented it and how it was successful in the reason why you did it. Right. So take a simple example of someone learns about broccoli. Okay. And they read a whole book on broccoli. Right. And they're like, Oh, this is applicable to me because I'm a nutrition coach. Um, and then they just leave it at that. And they're like, Oh, I'm so smart. I know so much about broccoli. It's like, how helpful is that really? Is that, are you contributing at all? Or is that impactful? Or have you taken broccoli's knowledge now? And, you know, placed it amongst the fitness zeitgeist and said, this is how I know some people should have it. This who shouldn't have it. These are the pluses. These are the minuses. This is how it's sourced. This is shit broccoli. This is good broccoli. You know what I'm saying? So that's a measurement of your success of what you've learned because you're implementing it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. So how do you currently measure your own uh, learning and so on? How do you make sure that you're making progress? Maybe not necessarily in learning. How do you make sure you're making progress in fitness, in life in general? I'm curious about the systems that you use.
0: Well, the second one, I, the second one I can't put into the same bucket as the learning one. So maybe you may have to ask that question again, because that's a whole different thing on uh, reason and existence and mm. et cetera. But, uh, for, For the learning thing, I'm very fortunate to have set my uh, lifestyle up such that I can get immediate feedback from the coaches I coach or the business that I'm in or the the family that I'm surrounded by. I've set up my life to ensure that it, it, it ensures to call my own bullshit so I know if any of that stuff that I'm learning is being implemented in a way that's helpful or if it's just useless. Right? Um, and so that's how I, I ultimately figure out if I'm actually progressing with what I'm learning is I always get constant feedback and the ability to speak to people. This is why teaching is so important for me is that, you know, in my opinion, in my opinion, learning is nothing unless you're teaching. Hmm. So in some way, shape or form, and of course, teaching needs to be stretched out, right? Cause everyone thinks, Oh, a teacher in front of the room, You know, you show up at 7.30 a.m., you get a class. No, you need to open your horizons to what teachers are um, because a father could be a teacher or a friend could be a teacher, right? Or a business person could be a teacher. So you just got to, you got to just frame it in like, well, what does teaching look like? So to my point, you learn a better over time and how effective those learning strategies are by you teaching, because then when you teach people, it'll immediately give you feedback if they're like, no, dude, I didn't get that. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, or you're full of shit, or, uh, that's factually incorrect. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, learning is really nothing if it just stays in your head. Mm. So you got to be able to teach it in order to see if it's actually effective, right? Then that answers your question. How do I determine if it's progressive? I just, you know, speak and then people can say that they got it. And if they get it, then that's feedback to me. Like, Hmm, that thing you learned. Now you're implementing it and it's working Mm. with regards to progression in life and exercise. Um, the I'll take the exercise one. Um, that's a little bit more of a simple reductionist way you can go about it. Um, and the way that I create some solidifying so people can grasp their hands on progression of exercise, it's all, it's all got to go back to what you're capable of expressing. So, You know, progression and exercise, again, contains time and space that people need to observe for a long period of time. I think what we get stuck in is like, oh, he was successful in progressing in exercise, but you only track them for three months, right? Well, what's your definition of success for a lifetime is the question that I start with. So progression, it contains these biological constraints, right? To our point that you're not always going to progress under the truest definition of progress, right? So let's give you an example. I'm 46. I'm not getting stronger. I can try as much as I want or inject as much hormones as I can. um, And that, that will maybe get me stronger, but I won't. And if you're, if my point is, okay, I I got hormone usage and I'm the, I'm still getting stronger. Okay. Maybe when you're 67, you won't get stronger. And you see, now you're at a point like, okay, well, now we're defining progression and exercise completely different. So my progression and exercise is defined as consistency. So if I can be consistent in movement, daily practice of movement, then that's my definition of progression because I'm, a lot, I'm able to continually try to navigate this thing through a movement experience, right? mm. through multiple different stuff. So that's what I would call progression of fitness for me. But you can see in that story is that everyone has to be treated individually for how they progress in exercise. Right Now, progression in life, we got to define exactly what life means and a lived experience. And I think that's probably, uh, probably not apropos for our uh, conversation today.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can really go down the rabbit hole with, with that question alone. Um, And looping back to the topic of learning and you mentioned, you know, waste of time. It's true. Like, you know, what's the point of reading a book about broccoli just to have the information in your head. So I'm curious to know, how do you know if what you're learning is a waste of time? How do you, I guess, like, how do you kind of um, choose books or how do you choose what to learn and how do you know if it's actually useful for you? What's your kind of system for that?
0: Yeah, I already gave you the answer to that. I'll repeat it again in a different language, is that you have to be able to do some form of teaching of the knowledge that you just gained or what you learned and see over time if you're basically scaffolding and adding you know, layers of components of a higher order to what you've learned, right? So example, you know, you should read nine different books over 10 years on broccoli, right? Why would you do that is because you're recognizing that even the 10th book after 10 years could be so simple. It could be a child's book on broccoli, but you're so masterful of the whole broccoli learning that you've learned how to like validate everything that's to, that's true in terms of broccoli. I'm just using broccoli as an example. Mm, yeah, I get it. But again, yeah, my point is like, well, what's the ultimate goal? If the ultimate goal is to learn a whole lot about broccoli, to again, to answer your question, how are you going to know you've learned a whole lot? You've got to be able to speak to people about it and recognize you can speak to as many people about it as possible. So I'm not truly a master of broccoli and hence then the learning of it. If I can't speak to a three-year-old about it, a 25-year-old, a dietitian, a medical doctor, a pharmacist, you know what I'm saying? If I can't speak to all of them about different forms of broccoli, then I really haven't learned.
1: Mm. So that's
0: a, that's a way you can measure if you're capable of knowing that about a specific subject mm. um, and if it's a waste of time. You know it's a waste of time if you can't teach it. That's the answer.
1: Right. Yeah. And I guess you can't really teach something that you don't understand fully. And there's the whole concept of the Feynman technique as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, write, take down a piece of paper and write down what you know. And if you can't, that means you actually don't know. You have to go back to the original source. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, for sure. That's
0: one way to do it. Uh, there's other mediums, but yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That would be helpful to assess and you,
1: it. and you mentioned you were always curious and just interested in, in different things. And that's what led you to learning in the first place. What are you yeah. curious about now?
0: What am I curious about now? I'm curious about the, uh, the future of fitness. Um, I'm curious about, uh, the future. Um, yeah, I'm curious about a lot of futuristic things. That's what I'm curious mm-hmm. about. Um, I'm curious about, uh, um, this lived, uh, the purpose of this lived experience. Um, I'm curious about, um, uh, you know, growth and development of young children. Um, I'm biased to that cause I have two young girls. Uh, so those are some, you know, three th- current things that I'm, it's not the only three, but those are three big ones.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I could go down the, the purpose of life is very interesting to me, but I'm going to go down with the future fitness. Um, what do you think is the future fitness? Where do you think it's going?
0: Uh, well, we'd have to define what fitness is. So I just, I was very small in my language on that just to answer your question. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll just talk about some possible, um, incorrect futuristic perspectives. I would say incorrect because they're all guesses and they could be completely wrong, but there's nothing wrong with even having the conversation around it. Um, you know, I'm curious to see where, uh, where the human lies inside of the fitness relationship over time. So all things are pointing to the fitness movement being more and more unconscious over time, meaning people are moving away from really good intentions of doing fitness. Um, And therefore you have this embedded opportunity for technology to, to, fall in place and artificial intelligence and whatever, but it's a machine that's in place. And what you get in there is a loss of the human, the human coach. So I'm very interested to see the offerings of fitness in the future and who are the educators who are the relationship builders and who are the, um, the individuals that can adapt and um, you know, adapt to relate, adapt to differences in humans and adapt to um, the beauty of individualization for people. Um, You know, I'm, I'm just interested to see where the human, human sits in that. So I see that as being, you know, one of the aspects of in your language, the future of fitness is the, the embedding of technology and how we mesh with it effectively that uh, I definitely, there's two boats in this, you know, there would be the, uh, you know, I guess we would classify as a postmodern thought process, progressive thought process on the mesh of technology in the future that would be one bucket of people who think that way, where they're like, you know, we just gotta mesh with it, and tech is the way is the future, and and machines are the future, and uh, artificial intelligence and logarithms and efficiency and scale. That's that's one bucket, and I'm in the other bucket. I'm in the pessimistic, skeptical side of the loss of the human relationship when you start trying to create scale and fitness through the through technology and artificial intelligence, and the reason being is that. Uh, I not only coach coaches, but I have real deep relationships with a lot of people in fitness and I can easily recognize the major differences in the shitty relationships that go on over here. When a machine is in control of what happens in fitness and when a human and a human are working together on fitness over here. So I see that as being one of the future of fitness uh, um, issues. I guess you could say that, you know, as you can see, that can be opened up into, into, into the stratosphere uh, for for what can lead to problems.
1: Well, what an answer. Um, I'm not even sure where to go with that. But on the topic of, you know, for the general human um, who wants to stay fit, who wants to stay healthy, um, mm-hmm. how should they look at their fitness? What should they do in order to be healthy? You know, not not necessarily now, but like, you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, like what should they look out for?
0: Um, man, there, well, there's really no such thing as a general human today. <laughs> um, you know, so I would say for everyone, if I was to make it super generalized in the answer, um, I think we need to uh, partner up and, with other people and have dialogue on the truest intentions um, as to why we do fitness. I think that would be the first place to start. Um, I don't think you should start with, um, a specific kind of diet or kind of a training program or a place. Um, I think it comes down to thoughts, you know, so people just sitting down going, why would I do any of this? And just mulling that over for a long period of time, because if people don't ask those real critical questions on this, this gift we've been given, uh, for the opportunity to move and see that you actually have the embedded skills inside to move and navigate and do it. Uh, then it's, it's all folly. It's all just a diversion tactic away from, um, other, other experiences that you're doing in your life. Um, and that's what fitness becomes for a lot of people when they don't ask that question. Three years down the road, you're like, why you do fitness? They're like, oh, because everyone else does it. That's a pretty shitty answer as to why you're doing fitness. Or why are you doing fitness? Oh, you know, because everyone else has a membership to a gym. That's another shitty answer as to why you're doing fitness. Why are you doing fitness? Oh, you know, everyone has a personal trainer. That's another shitty answer as to why you're doing fitness. Oh, why do you do fitness? Oh, you know, I need to lose that 10 pounds. That's another shitty answer as to why you're doing fitness. Why are you doing fitness? Ah, oh, because Kim Kardashian does fitness. Well, it's another shitty answer. You see what I'm saying? The list goes on and on and on, yet no one's asking the question, is that possibly the incorrect intentions as to why you're doing fitness? You know, so general humans, get inside of fitness. How should you start? You should ask, why should we move anyways? Why should we do any kind of movement? And don't stop there. Just keep getting deeper on it.
1: So, James, why do you do fitness?
0: I love physical expression. I find as an opportunity to learn more about myself. um, I definitely had a, a career of also, I would call it moving way too far in the addiction, maximal physical expression category of movement expression to know the positives and negatives of the highest end of that, to really find a nice sweet spot in what consistency is in physical expression. So my reason to do physical expression is that every opportunity that I do it for, I get to learn a whole lot about myself. So that's why I do it.
1: And just from all the years you were involved in fitness, um, what have you learned about yourself? Um, like what kind of? Because this is very interesting to me. I've never heard um someone phrase it in such a way, and just. I'm gonna definitely re-listen to this podcast, but like, because there's a lot of insights here. But I'm curious to know, like, what kind of stuff did you learn about yourself through fitness? Is that like, okay, so you said you want to do fitness purely because you know you want to kind of understand yourself and you know do that? But like, yeah, what have you learned about yourself through fitness?
0: Yeah, well, you have to remember this is my lens. Just yeah. Before I answer the question, like it's all my lens. Mm. You know, no one else is behind my eyes but me. Mm. You know what I mean? So just before I answer that, so people don't just, you know, hijack it or take it on for themselves, what they see hmm. um, as, as I was going through um, let's call it physical expression or just fitness over time, man, I won't lie to you. I saw it, I saw it as uh, numerous different ways. Um, but as I age, I can only speak to it. You know, like when I was, when I was 19, I was probably doing it to find a mate, you know, hmm. probably. I think I was, I mean, I'm not really sure, but I mean, ask me the question, like, why was I doing it when I was 19? You just want to look big. And then you're like, okay, why do you want to look big? Uh, You want to look bigger amongst other people, other males? Yeah, I guess. Okay. So you're just trying to find a mate. Oh yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to do. So, um, and then at 25, you're like, well, why are you doing it? It's like, oh, I'm physically capable now. And I love aggressiveness, you know, it's like, oh, so you're in sport because you love sport. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm just doing it because I'm male and I have lots of testosterone and I want to do aggressive things, right? Um, then I'm 32 and I got a family and business and et cetera. And now as I'm doing physical expression, I'm thinking about things like, you know, uh, what is this telling you about how this is connecting you to the rest of your life? You know, like big things like that, right? Like, um, and did you really not finish that workout because of this little, you know, embedded story you had as a young kid that you were a pussy, that you couldn't finish this thing? you know, and that came up and you were like, no, you know what? I am going to finish this thing. So what was my reasoning inside of that physical expression is to learn about what I'm capable of. Right. So along all those lines, you can see my lens changed all relative to, you know, my, my life experience. You know, when I was 13, I probably saw the fitness experience differently. Right. It was like a pecking order at 13. I want to be the best hockey player and I would get pissed off when we didn't win or I didn't score, or, you know, et cetera. Why? because uh, I was trying to figure out where I sat amongst my peers, right? Like, you know, I don't get anything out of that as a fitness experience besides the fact that I'm just trying to navigate this world better. So that's why I'm saying my lens changed over time right. as to why I would do that, right? Um, so now as I'm 46, you know, every time I do fitness, like after this podcast, I'm going to go do some kind of fitnessing. Um, and deeply down inside of it, I'm probably just trying to get a litmus test as to what I'm capable of. Right. It's like, you know, I just
1: want to see where I am. Yeah. So what kind of movement do you do at the moment? What's your physical expression right now? Do you, well, I'm, first of all, I'm I, do how- I do everything.
0: I do everything. and you can follow, just follow me on Instagram. That's not an opportunity for your listeners to start following me by any means. Um, I don't, yeah, I, really don't care about that. But if you want to see it, I mean, just follow me. I I post it every day on Instagram. That's why I use Instagram. I use Instagram particularly for that. It's almost like a training log and it's an opportunity for people just to observe and go, okay, interesting. You know, that's what you did. Um, Nothing more. I do also do some business stuff on there that allows people to see what we do inside of CCP and OPEX in general, but that's just an opportunity for me to uh, show what I'm capable of doing. And it also is more for me as a training log Mm. to keep me consistent and to make it almost like a debrief. Right. So my Instagram post is almost an opportunity because I posted after every session to go, you know, things like, what did I learn? What did I do? What was I capable of? How did I observe it? How did I go into it? How did I strategize? You know, how's this connected to consistency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So that's what that post is. So to answer your question, (laughs) what do I do? I'm inspired by, um, continuing to do some kind of movement every day for the rest of my life, right? So that's my, that's my sole goal, which means that of course, when I go in and I start and I'm one minute in, my brain is going, you got 4,000 more of these left in your life. You see that? So I'm always connected to the overarching aim. So that means that when I'm, you know, and I, as a good example, last week, (coughs) was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. You know, when I was 28, I would do that extra set of power clean with five pounds higher, you know, but this last week I was at, I was power cleaning. I don't know, some weight on the minute for a period of time. And then I got to a number of minutes and I was supposed to go up in like what this like prescribed plan was. I was going, but I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to, I'm going to stop. So it's those like little interventions is basically you know, me just observing what are you currently capable of? And what are you currently capable expressing relative to what your overall goals are? So what do I do in fitness? I do everything. I run for 90 minutes. I lift heavy weights. I do gymnastics. I play basketball. I swim in the river. I play with my girls. I can do everything. So that's what I do in my fitness practice.
1: I absolutely love that. I think, yeah, no, that's... And, you know, um, if someone was out there who wants to design their own training program, for example, they have no no knowledge of fitness, they have no idea how to start, and they want to begin, you know, training, they want to do everything themselves, they want to run, run, sprint, um, you know, go on, on long runs, uh, whatever. Um, how yeah. should they go about designing their training program? What should they consider?
0: Yeah, well, you're it's not you, but everyone's asking the wrong question. Right. Okay. So you shouldn't be saying what the training program should be. You should say, what is my current capability?
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: So people need to back up because it's so easy to like interject with like keto online gymnastics training. You know what I mean? It's like, well, it's such a simple answer. It's like, Oh, will that help a lot of people. Sure. It'll help a lot of people. There's principles in there that'll help a lot of people. Will it help me? Uh, I don't know, maybe. What will help me? So what should I do in my design? It's based upon what I'm currently capable of today. So what should your design be? Well, first of all, you got to assess it. And we teach people how to assess that really simply. Anthropometrics, full body movement patterns, and then a 10-minute test on a flywheel bike. That doesn't mean all of those are the best tests, Mm -hmm. but at least points us in a direction as to what you're capable of, Right. So if you can't hold a front leaning rest for 60 to 90 seconds, then that tells you what your first training program should be. And I can tell you, it's not heavy bench press because you couldn't hold this basic movement pattern right now. Of course, that takes technical skills and education and and et cetera. But I'm just saying this is the answer to your question. People should be saying, what is my capability today? That's what dictates what my programming is. So if I'm only capable of doing three really good air squats, do you know what my program is? Four of them. Four of them. Right. right. So your ability dictates where programming is. The, our language that we use in OPEX, um, almost like cultish, so that people can have these scripts in place. Sometimes they don't even know what it means, but they'll say this. Your program design begins where your ability ends
1: hmm
0: so think about that okay um if you can't do one pull-up you're not going to do pull-ups in your program
1: yeah that makes sense
0: or like oh you can do a gravitron and band assist is like nope. yeah no nope, you're not yeah because you can't perform one so we're not going to biohack it to make it seemingly think like you can Do you see what i'm saying so um that plus you have to connect to the principles and this is a larger conversation which you know takes a lot of people to get you know uh, a grasp of Hmm. because it takes experience and it takes just dialogue and a lot of case studies right but principles mean that humans are only capable of expressing certain things based upon their lived experience so a 13 year old is only capable of expressing something based upon what they've gained in knowledge for 13 years A 37-year-old who is an Olympic champion and trained with weights for 17 straight years three times a week needs a different expression experience than that 13-year-old. And if you agree with that, then you need to recognize that the answer to what your program should be varies not only based upon what they're capable of expressing on that day, but their experience. That's what dictates what people should be doing for exercise. So what should the 37-year-old's program look like post-Olympics and post-17 years of intense training? Probably just some basic movement profiles and easy aerobic work for the rest of their life, right? So do you see how the most fancy gymnastics, keto, intense program online is going to kill them? That's not for them. So what's the best program? What they're currently capable of and what their experience is. And then you can kind of, see where the coach fits in there because coaches are the people in the community who are supposed to, you know, navigate all those, you know, investigations. That's why we need coaches. That's the value of a fitness coach is to take all that thought process for that 37 year old, and just put it in their hands because they're the professional, right? Like take all that inventory, know all this, now tell me what my program should be and the, the person should go. Yeah, that makes total sense because I want to do this for the next 50 years. So I'm glad that you came along and you can help me with that.
1: What an interesting answer. I mean, wow. Um, And yeah, um, I'm definitely going to reflect on this now after this podcast and think about it because... Yeah, like I think I had this kind of, well, not weird, but yeah, like training program. Okay, it must be this X, Y, Z. But yeah, like you said, it's different based on your current capabilities. So I'm going to have to really think about that. And on the topic of uh, trainers and so on, uh, what are the kind of common mistakes that other trainers and trainees make that you often see?
0: Uh yeah, I'd back up and parallel it to the uh, fitness landscape or the fitness user landscape is uh, intentions. I think the intentions are are probably there's a lot of uh, coaches with great intentions, like they're good people, they have good intentions, but they don't have the correct intentions. So direct, directionality and intentionality has to be questioned, um, and I would say that's where the initial you know. Uh, jump off point and makes everything wrong in their prescriptions forever. Um, again, because they have this embedded idea that this is the reason why they're a coach. This is why they're doing this, right? So you can imagine if a coach believes for 12 years that the reason why people should do fitness is to sweat, lose weight and to get stronger. Can you see how now for 12 years, they've been just directing people towards these intentions That are probably not great intentions for exercise, but you see that coach is still a good person, right? They had that's, and you're like, well, why didn't you think about that 12 years ago? It's like, I don't know. That's just how I was taught what fitness coaching is. So I think the deepest burden on a coach is, 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 uh, this, this desire that the market wants for fitness and what you deep in your heart and soul believe is best for them. Hmm. It's completely different, right? So the fitness coach always has to remedy this big burden of like getting out there in front of all these folks in their heart and gut going, there should be no fucking way you should be doing this. But they're doing it because the market desires it. And the way our system is set up is if you don't give them what they desire, you'll just lose clients and go down the street. So instead you show off your quads and create authoritarian concepts and commercialization and sensationalization. And now you have a business wrapped around it but you forgot your deepest, you know, greatest intentions. So that's why I think a, a global, you know, problem would be, uh, for trainers. Um, there's numerous other ones too. Um, I think one that I can't, I can't let go without mentioning it. Um, I think that the fitness coach has been kicked to the curb, um, over the past 20, 25 years. And I have lots of my own beliefs and thoughts as to how we got to that point. Um, and I know about this because I was part of the movement that started us being kicked to that for in different ways. And I only recognize after decades that, you know, the intentions were even incorrect in my alignment for it. Um, but the, everyone can participate in it and everyone can teach it. And everyone who's capable of being inside teaching it virtue signals the fact that they're helping everyone live a more healthy, longer life. But we're forgetting the fact that there's no measurement on the definition of competency inside fitness coaching, right? So here lies the whole weird question, right, on regulation, who is a coach, who can be a coach, certifying body, you know, all those things, and just go and do your research. There's like 6,000 versions of a fitness coach certifying body out there. And then there's like 25 really classy, well-intentioned certifying bodies, right? But how does the market perceive it? Every coach is the same. A weekend seminar here or what you learned over here. It used to matter with the name the letters you had behind your name, but it doesn't matter anymore. So everyone's in, everyone's allowed to participate. And regardless of tenure and competency and success, you can always find a job in fitness with that in mind. It means that the value of the fitness coach has been diminishing every second, every minute, every hour, every day since the mid nineties. And until we come back to find a good agreement on who a health coach is, what their competencies are and what the oaths are, you know, and how to regulate that in some way, shape or form. It doesn't have to be what everyone thinks the word regulation is, but to some agreement on it, that's a big, big issue in terms of, uh, what a, what a problem is inside of the training landscape today.
1: Hmm. Okay. And on a slightly different topic, um, you know, we talked about fitness, but what about nutrition? How important is nutrition when it comes to your overall fitness, and um, health in general?
0: Um, yeah, well, it's, it's really important. Um, the, uh, it's all, it's all, you know, your perspective, are, are you a consumer? You know, are you a coach? Are you an educator? Um, everyone is going to perceive that differently. Uh, some people don't even perceive it as being anything different. Um, you know, uh, to go back to some basics, um, food is information. Um, we know we can't be without it. We can try, but we can't be without it. So, that's your first step. Okay. Then we all are agreeing. You probably got to have food. Okay, great. Then next is uh, age and accessibility, right? Let's like go. What are you actually capable of having and eating, right? Like a uh, six month old doesn't have broccoli. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm just making those points is like, it's still just information, right? Colostrum and fats and et cetera from breast milk is still nutrition. Right. But when I'm 46 and eating broccoli, it's still nutrition and it's still information. So we are agreeing that everyone needs to have it. Mm. Then when it gets further down the line, we can say, what, how do we get to a defining aspect of what people should eat becomes extremely political, extremely political. So I generally don't get into that conversation because most people can't handle the truth in the simplicity of food, in what people should eat. And instead, they just want to bark and fight on Twitter around energy equations, dietary profiles, behaviors around food, et cetera. And we all can't come to an agreement because it's just not that sexy to talk about the basics of what this planet gives us for fuel that has been embedded for a really long period of time. Right. But everyone wants to turn their back on that one because it's not a really sensationalized argument beyond this point of it just being information. Instead, it's like, Oh, I want to figure out, you know, if, uh, the calories in the Twinkie makes a difference in weight in a metabolic ward over six weeks. It's like, are this, is this really the arguments we're having on food and nutrition? You see how it's gotten so lower order in the conversation on it? Um, So if you just go back to those initial points, agree that it's information, and then agree that you can't be without it, then all the decisions that you formulate after that, (laughs) it's really just just up to you. Now, in our boat of OPEX, remember, we have a lens of teaching principles to coaches. That's our lens. Meaning, when I say lens, it means you got to say, well, what's your intentions, James, when you teach people about nutrition? So we give three rules of thumb as to why you do your nutrition interventions. These are the three reasons why people should do nutrition. Remember, this is our bias and our lens. But our reason behind it is that we want coaches to get on board with getting clients to realize autonomy in their fueling. Think about that. We want to teach people how to know how to eat for the rest of their life and never need us again to give them programs. Never get us to tell them after two years, you need to eat broccoli again. Like, I mean, anyways, you could just see the, the, the bullshit that's inside of that forever and ever, right? New diet, new change, new strategy, 60-day 60, 60 plan, 30-day plan. It's just you're going to cycle it for 25 years, right? Instead, how about we just give this idea that we're going to teach people so they never have to ask questions again as to what's best for them. So here's our three big beacons. We define successful nutrition for that person as being this theoretical concept as to what is their best mental acuity forever. What is the greatest day-to-day mental acuity forever? That means that everything that you take in for nutrition, and we know it's information and we know it's food, right? it has to lead to your highest potential of mental acuity. And what you then practice for food will always be a litmus test to come back and say, am I mentally acute now? Am I mentally acute now? Did that food serve me to give me mental acuity? Is it continuing to serve me to give me mental acuity? And so you will rewrite everything. You know, sorry, I shouldn't say rewrite. You You will find that nice lane for nutrition when you're using mental acuity as the highest order reason for it. Not looking good naked in the morning. Not you see what I'm saying. Not any of these other factors. That I did I knock off my macros. Did I? You know none of these. What's the reason why you're doing it? So I can have clear thoughts, clear thoughts, mental acuity the entire day. So if you have a noon meal and then after you're like. I'm glad I hit my macros, but you're asleep for two hours and you make bad thoughts and you almost hit a kid on the side of the road on the way home. You see my point? So mental acuity is the number one beacon. Secondly, nutritional information that provides you with the ability to do whatever you want to do physically, whatever you want to do physically. And of course that takes more discussion backwards, right? I'm like, well, what should you do physically? You know my point on that. If you don't, you know we can stretch it out another time, another podcast. But you got to be able to take in fuel that allows you to express yourself physically in which you want to do. So if you want to pick your grandchildren up, just visualize this. How old are you? Twenty-three. Okay, so in forty years, I would hope—I'm going to hope. I'm gonna hope and you may or may not. I hope you get to experience when you're actually in fifty years. I hope you get to experience the immense, unbelievable love you will feel for your child having a child and that child running across the grass and running into your arms as if you are the center of the universe and they have so much security in you lifting them up and putting them up overhead. I describe that because that physical expression is what we want people capable of right? Your child is running at you or your grandchild is running at you. You need to squat down and thrust them. So all of your nutritional interventions need to lead to you doing that at 73. That's our second beacon. So what's the answer to what I should eat? Whatever fucking gets you to 73 and lifting your grandchild overhead. I fucking don't care. I fucking don't care what it is. Uh, Mars bar. Sure. Whatever. Right. Whatever. I fucking don't care. Will it get you to 73 to lifting that child? And then you can just rewire it, right? Oh, I've had a Mars bar every afternoon for the past two weeks. I'm not mentally acute and I feel sore joints. You're probably not going to get to 73. Then would you agree with that? No. Okay. We'll fucking keep it playing and we'll figure it out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it has to be the second thing. Lastly, I know that's lengthy. I'm sorry. I've been long on that verbose on it, but it's not an easy question to answer. Um, Third, we define it as living a large life. So your nutritional intervention and your nutrition diet should give you the highest opportunity to have love and relations and share with other people and contribute so that you can have a really deep lived experience. So if you, and if you don't think they connect, you're just too young honestly. And so over time, you'll come back and listen to this if it's ever in the interwebs 10 years down the road, and it'll make sense to you. But a life is not worth living if it's not experienced with other people, or if you're not capable of communication and and contribution and compassion. So I want someone's food profile to allow them to live a really large, fulfilling life. So those are our three beacons mental acuity, physical function, and living a large life. And that's how we start the program on determining what is the best nutritional plan in how we perceive it. And then everything wraps underneath that, where you currently are, what your age is, what you're capable of doing, accessibility, cost, all those things. And nowhere in that do we talk about percentages of fat, protein, carbs. Nowhere in that do we talk about post-workout shake, percentages of glutamine and glut, you know nowhere in that it doesn't mean it's not worthwhile but it doesn't matter based upon your overall reasoning for doing nutrition so you can see we back up if the person can't get beyond the fact of understanding that you're eating to live long and prosper then you're just going to be dancing with people for the rest of your career you're just giving nutritional programs and think you're doing everyone a worthwhile um with good intentions, but you're not leading them anywhere. You're just giving them bad behaviors over time.
1: James, what an answer that, um, I just have to say, wow. And there's so many different ways that can go about this, but we are short on time. So do we just have a few minutes to ask some rapid fire questions? I have some, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sure. So, um, what is something that you changed your mind on recently?
0: Uh, the language that we have on, expression recovery and adaptation um this is just language on people doing physical expression um i've changed my mind on the language around what needs to be embedded in that heuristic prior to expression and its ability so ability comes before expression comes before recovery comes before adaptation so that's what i've changed my mind on
1: if you could master any tree skills instantly what would they be
0: the three things that comes to mind is blindfolded, uh, um, juggling three balls on a unicycle.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> three skills in one, huh? Um, yeah, there you go. Why not do them all one <laughs> <all> the time? <laughs> um, what have been your most gifted or recommended books? Oh, um, that's a, I always say back that that's an
0: unfair question because I kind of feel... I kind of feel bad for the the authors of uh, all the work they put into such the great, you know, stuff that I've read, but uh, I'm okay with answering it by saying uh why zebras don't get ulcers. I think Robert Sapolsky's seminal book on adaptation um uh biological evolution, you know, just how we respond to stimulus. Um I think there's so much powerful stuff inside that 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 uh, cur- especially currently to today, no one wants to face the truth around science and what's been observed and how humans react to things. Uh, and we know that to be true because we're, everyone's so surprised why everyone's really depressed and up in arms and upset with uh, the COVID, with COVID and what's happening. Right. Um, and we just don't recognize that we have every right and nor it, does, it makes complete sense for humans who are just pushed and locked up to be antisocial. To not have these really deep, you know, embedded issues now on the other side of it, right? So if we understood stress and adaptation and human resilience, which Robert's book goes through, I think it would make a whole lot more sense for a ton of people.
1: What is your best investment? So this investment might be time, it might be energy, it might be money. What's the best investment you ever made? Yeah, that's a
0: great question, by the way. Um, And... I think this could only be on the tip of my tongue because I spoke to someone about it yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's probably, um, an intention around, um, being a better listener. Um, and I listen also when I read books, because I can listen to myself and how I'm perceiving things. Um, I've been listening voraciously to more podcasts over the past number of years and being, very open-minded along the continuum of all the really challenging topics of what people talk about. Um, so I think it's probably, you know, amplified in that one area being a better listener.
1: And in the last five years, what is a belief habit or behavior that has had the positive, the most positive influence on your life? I'd say
0: definitely consistency. Um, You know, same bed, same sleep time, same wake time, uh, rhythm in my day, uh, rhythm in my eating, rhythm in my exercise, uh, consistency with my daily rhythm. I think has probably been the one that I I would uh, promote (laughs) the most (laughs) to help people.
1: And what advice would you give to a college student who's about to graduate and enter the real world? Uh, in, In any meaning they've graduated with anything. Yeah. They're just out in the world and they have no idea what they want to do, but they're ambitious. They want to succeed. And I'm mm. just, I'm just curious to know, like what kind of advice would you give to such an individual?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, uh, get into, this would just be a medium example, but get into the peace Corps or get into, get into some kind of volunteering slash small payment opportunity for you to experience the world. um, we have an unbelievable opportunity with the how cheap it is to fly in a silver tube across the ocean. Um, One of the worst things about us as, as humans was uh, colonization and, and what that led to with what the technology we had in front of us. But if you're 23 today, you just got spit out of this construct adult constructed industrialized concept of education which is a whole other conversation. Um, What I would say, you need to get around the globe because it'll create the deepest form of empathy. It'll create this heightened level of compassion and it'll make you feel so fucking small. You will err on the side of seeing that you're just a number, but it'll open your eyes to collectively um, how important and how big this thing is. So if I could have that time back, that's something I would do. Save all the marbles um, or cheat the system to pull from your education uh, that you that you uh, was given. Uh, If you don't understand what I mean by that, like, I don't know, ask for more money for a loan for students, for students and don't pay it all off and save some cash at the end of that year and just travel the globe. Travel, Uh, Man, you got to get out there and see it. I mean, you just appreciate, you just appreciation for life and this lived future lived experience for you and just, It'll just blow your mind. And I think the lack of that um, people think that they are 26 and because they're online and using WhatsApp with someone in China, they think that they're experiencing culture. You're not. You're not. And even reading books doesn't get you that. So you got to get there and you got to see like the turmoil, right? You got to go to Rio uh, and just walk a couple of streets over and just see the slums, you know what I'm saying, you gotta smell that and see real shit and you're not going to get that on Twitter. So, that's what I would say. Sorry to be verbose on that one, but that would be that's a it's a it's another great question.
1: And the last question for you is what is your definition of chasing passion?
0: Um I think is is maybe the the philosopher philosopher in me would say going back to asking the question why do you feel passionate about something first before you chase it so i i would want to go further back so i i can't like even formulate an answer for you because i would say well there's a bunch of different questions to ask before you even get to the direction of chasing something so if you want to chase something the first question i would ask is why are you chasing it so where to start on that Um, keep asking the questions as to um, why you're chasing that and and wrestle with it right ask questions like what are the positives of passion and chasing it what are the negative implications of chasing passion what are some of the unknowns of chasing passion and then you can back up and try to formulate a plan
1: wow James, uh, thank you for your time today. Um, just before we finish up, where is a good place to go? Uh, where where can people learn more about you, what you're up to? Where is a good place to follow you?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, opexfit.com, www.opexfit.com. Dot dot um, if you search that, if you spell it differently or incorrect, you're probably going to end up where we are. <clears throat> we got lots of free stuff for people just to look at and see what we're up to, what we do. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, that's probably, um, the easiest spot. Um, I don't do much uh, with regards to Twitter or Facebook. So to be, for being social, uh, this is the opportunity that I have to do that. Not even on LinkedIn, um, or I am, but I'm not, not active in there. So, uh, that's J fits OPEX, J F I T Z O P E X. if you search that and follow me, then I always get back to people. If you DM me or you have a conversation or a point of interest or even a conversation, I think that's how we connected possibly. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And for any listeners, I'll just link all these in show notes. So you'll be able to find it easily enough. Um, James, just before we finish up, is there anything else you want to say, anything else you want to mention, anything else you want to highlight, anything else that comes to mind?
0: No, no, just thank you for the opportunity to speak. And, uh, and also, um, I appreciate the questions. Um, and I hope that, uh, it's 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 an effective strategy for you based upon whatever you deem as being successful
1: thank you so much thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and i really hope you enjoyed it you can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassionpodcast.com just before we finish up would you consider leaving a short review on apple podcast this will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much You can find the link for Apple Podcasts in the episode description or just search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcasts and you'll find it right there. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a share. Tell your friends. It will be super, super helpful. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.